Hello, hi, my little thrivers, how are you? Glad to have you with me again for this episode 11 of the podcast. Um, so how are you all? I've had a good week, yeah, a really good week. I did some promotion of the podcast um, for the first time on LinkedIn actually last week and wow, was that a good thing to do. I have picked up so many new listeners over the last week thanks to that, um, which I'm really grateful for. So if you've joined me recently, um, thank you. And I'm so pleased that you're here and listening to this. Um, The amazing comments and support that I've had from people, you know, some people who I've known in my career and others who've just come across me and the podcast, um, you know, from their scrolling and searching, um, yeah, the support has been overwhelming and I'm so happy about that. It really, really brightens my day um, and makes me look forward to doing these episodes even more than I already do, <laughs> which is a lot, believe me. Um, yeah, I'm just going to precursor this episode by saying I have got decorators in my house at the moment and although they're lovely and very good, they sometimes make quite a lot of noise. So I'm hoping that the podcast will be okay. <laughs> if you hear any random noises, it's just the decorators, don't panic. Um, so today, episode 11, we are going to be talking about how to have difficult conversations. Um, now, obviously, the things that we talk about today can apply to professional conversations, work conversations. They can also apply in your personal life because the, the tools that I'm going to give you will help you if you need to have difficult conversations with friends and family members. It's completely applicable across both aspects of your life. But quite often when I coach people, it's work where these kind of topics come up. It's often work where we're really concerned about outcomes and professional impacts of having difficult conversations. So I'm going to spend the first part of the episode really talking in detail about how to manage those conversations and make them effective. And by effective, I'm talking about leaving you with a better outcome, a better outcome for you and the other person overall. Um, And after we've done that, I want to talk a little bit very specifically about one type of difficult conversation and this was really the inspiration for me doing this episode. Um, I had a cause to um, discuss a very offensive comment that um, someone in my professional circle made. Um, it was a racist comment last week. And i that's what inspired me to do this episode because... I think it's really important that we feel equipped to manage these types of situations. Um, I know there have been times in my life, my career, where I've let biased comments slide because I didn't know how to address them in a functional, professional, meaningful way without being over-emotional. And I now know how to do that and I wanted to share that with you so the last part of this episode today I want to just talk very specifically about that type of difficult conversation because it it is set apart slightly from some of the things I'm going to say in general about managing difficult career and personal type conversations there's some specific ways in which you need to handle those Um, and I'll cover you know the same things can be used whether it's bias on gender, race, sexuality, ability, disability, um, 
they, they would all apply. So, okay, let's kick off. Um, and we're going to talk about the types of conversation where you need to address something difficult with somebody. In a work environment, this could be something like you've got to give someone some performance feedback and it's not great. Um, you, It might be even something really serious, like you need to talk to people about putting in place a consultation period or making redundancies. Um, it might even be that you want to talk to your boss about something you're not happy about or a piece of work that you can't do, you don't want to do, you want to finish or get out of. Um, or perhaps you want some leave. Perhaps you... Oh, I don't know, perhaps you want some maternity leave, some compassionate leave, some a sabbatical, um, and you're feeling guilty about it or you're feeling um, challenged about how to ask for that. So these are all the types of conversations that you might want to use this toolkit for. And the idea of using this toolkit is that you get out of these conversations what you need to get out of them. But meanwhile, you leave the relationship with the other person involved intact um, and if anything, you give an opportunity for that relationship to actually deepen because you're going to approach this conversation with a lot of preparation, a lot of planning, um, open mindedness and trust. And the way I'm going to structure this today is I'm going to talk about, first of all, your preparation. So before you even get near this conversation, what are you going to do first before you get in that room, before you sit down with that person before you say a word to them what are you going to do to prepare secondly we're going to talk about what you're going to do in the conversation and lastly we're going to talk about um, what to do afterwards so let's start with your preparation and the first thing is just think about if you've got a situation in mind or even if you're thinking about something you might cover how are you feeling about that what's your mindset um, chances are if it's a difficult conversation you're not feeling great about it I mean I've, of all the scenarios that I have um, mentioned at the top of the show, I've had to deal with almost all of them myself from, you know, giving performance feedback to putting people on consultation, um, asking for leave, not wanting to work on a specific project. I've, I've done them all and I've worked with people on all these topics as well. Um, it's like the thing that you dread. I know the number of nights that I might have gone to sleep the night before just unable to sleep or worrying about how this conversation is going to go, playing it out in my head. Um, but the thing when we're doing that, when we're, we're, in, we're in that mindset of all the things that could go wrong is we're looking at, very, at it very purely from our own perspective. We're worrying about what we're going to say. We're worrying about what the other person is going to say to us and how that's going to make us feel. Um, and inevitably, it's rarely as bad as we think it's going to be. So it's really important to understand how that mindset is going to affect the way we show up into that conversation. If I've been worrying about this thing for a week and had no sleep the night before, chances are I'm going to be feeling pretty crap um, when I need to go and have this conversation. So gearing yourself up for a quote unquote difficult conversation, that in itself is really likely to make you just feel nervous, upset, um, and try not to label it as good or bad or difficult or easy. This is not a binary thing. Conversations don't actually fall into one category or the other. Conversations are flowing. Conversations have lots of different aspects. So you're not going to be having a difficult conversation 
you're going to be having a constructive conversation about a topic, um, just think about it as a normal conversation. It's a conversation that has to be had. It may be a type of conversation that you avoid regularly. And maybe that's because you have some issues with confrontation. Um, There could be a lot of reasons why. And if you work one-on-one with somebody on that, there, there may be reasons why you're avoiding these types of conversations. But regardless, there are tips and tools and techniques you can use to still make a really good outcome of this. Um, so the first thing is think about your mindset. If you're deliberately um, thinking negatively about the conversation, you're finding it hard to approach, actively change your mindset. Um, I talk about this um, in detail in the t- um, episode on negative thinking patterns. While those thinking patterns are more to do with self-esteem, it's the same principle here. So if you find yourself circling around on the same thought about how badly something's going to go, you have the choice to change that thought. It might not be automatic, but you have the choice to change that thought. So every time you catch yourself thinking, oh my God, this conversation is going to be a car crash. It's going to be so difficult. They're going to be so upset or angry or whatever. Um, Stop yourself. Stop it right there. Stop that thought. Choose a different thought. This is just a conversation. After this conversation, I'm going to feel so good because blah, blah, blah. Um, This conversation is necessary and important and I'm going to approach it in the most positive way. And keep replacing that negative thought with a positive one until you take away some of the charge, that negative charge that's in um, in your negative mindset. If you're struggling with mindset, um, mindfulness is a really helpful thing. Sometimes people poo-poo it still these days, even though it's really, really popular. Quite often we also agree that it's good, but don't actually practice mindfulness, don't practice mindful breathing, don't practice centering ourselves and allowing ourselves to just get into a calm space. But I promise you, this will help you massively you do it for a few days if you can before your conversation if you can't and this is something that you need to get out the way quickly just take five minutes go to the bathroom or find yourself a quiet space do some deep breathing the idea is to breathe out for longer than you're breathing in so try in for a count of three out for a count of five or in for a count of five out for a count of seven um, in for a count of seven, out for a count of 11, whatever you can do and how, depends how fast you're counting. Um, but in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and keep on going like that. You will notice your heart rate drop, your mind will stop racing. If you can do that a few times, even five or ten minutes, it's going to get your body physically into a much better place to enable you to think clearly and to have the conversation deliberately in a way that you want to have it. And the last thing to do before you go and have your conversation is to plan it. You cannot script it because it's not like you know what the other person's going to say. 
Um, you might have a good idea of what they're going to say, in which case you can certainly plan around what your responses will be, if they're going to get defensive or if they're going to be difficult, if you think that's going to happen. You can certainly plan, but you just never know what the outcome is going to be. And actually, it's much like recording this podcast. If I script everything... All I'm doing is saying they're just reading from a page. It's not natural. It's not authentic. I don't have any ideas. I'm not listening. I'm not thinking creatively. Um, in the same way, if you if you script your conversation too heavily, you're not going to be present and listening and engaging with the other person. So plan what message you want to get across. Plan what you think their responses might be. Have a couple of options and plan what you're going to say. But really the best outcome that you can get out of this conversation is that you get your message across in the right tone, in the right way, in a way that's meaningful and effective and leaves you with your relationship intact and a better outcome for both people. So that's the most important thing. If you achieve that outcome, it doesn't matter. You don't need to script the rest. Just have a little plan in place for what might happen and that will help you to feel more secure. So we've talked about how to plan for your conversation. The next thing is how to actually execute your conversation. And before we go into that, I want to talk about um, getting defensive. When we feel threatened, our brain responds and it can be just a verbal threat. It can be, you know, if somebody's giving me negative performance feedback, I might feel that my job is at risk or my pay rise is at risk or I might not get a bonus or whatever, as an example. My brain, that's a threat. There's a threat there. So my brain is going to respond to that threat. Um, and, you know, rewards are created in the brain with a positive stimulus and threats are created in a brain based on a negative stimulus. And um, there's a model called CORE, C-O-R-E. You can look it up, um, Google it if you're interested in understanding this a bit more. The CORE model is useful for understanding why some conversations make people defensive and why they don't. And you can use this model to choose your language very carefully. So CORE stands for C is for certainty, uh, the extent to which we can predict the future. So if we feel that we suddenly don't know what the future is going to hold, that can make us very defensive. Options, O, O for options, the extent to which we feel we have choices. If we feel that we're pinned into a corner and we've got no options again that's going to make us defensive our instincts are going to kick in we're going to lash out we're going to fight reputation that's the r in core and um, by reputation i really mean how important are we compared to others how how do we think others regard us um if we're being given feedback that's about us and it's negative do we think our reputation's been tarnished? Do we think our reputation's been damaged? Do we think lots of people know, lots of people think this? Um, that can also make people defensive. And lastly, E is for equity. Equity in the sense that we feel something is equitable. Do we feel that the thing that we're hearing is just? Is it fair? If it's not, again we're going to feel hard done by, we're going to feel threatened, and that's going to cause a reaction. So it's really easy to see how um, 
these threats around certainty, options, reputation and equity can really make someone feel uh, threatened because, um, you know, if you're being given negative feedback or if you need to have a difficult conversation, um, maybe even you want to ask your boss something, you're worried that they might feel some of these things about you. Um, all these things can trigger either a threat response in the brain of the person that you're talking to or a threat response in your own brain. So this actually feels the same as a physical threat. It's the same um, chemical response in the brain um, that we have when we're under physical threat and it can either result in defensive responses verbally defensive responses or just shutting down completely um fight or flight i suppose um someone's uh defensive verbal response is a fight and if someone just shuts down and doesn't want to engage with the conversation that's effectively a flight because they're not um they're just not engaging in it um so the way to deal with this is to think about using very sensitive language, um, very sensitive language to avoid triggering those defense mechanisms. It's really important to avoid blame and personalization. You don't want to blame anything or question anything in the person's character. Um, if you need to give feedback about the behavior that's not easy, um, to hear talk about the behavior not the person we're not uh, challenging or attacking the person but we are explaining that the behavior is not acceptable um, you don't want to create the sense of a personal defect you want to separate the behavior the outcome the issue that you're talking about from the individual treat them as two separate things um, and you can talk about the issue that you're describing as something that's transitory. It's it's happening right now. It doesn't mean that this issue defines the individual. It doesn't mean that this is everything that they are or everything that they will be. It's right now we are observing, I am observing X, Y, Z behaviour. Um, it's not you are always and you will always be and you've always been, you know. Those are inflammatory remarks and they're very personalised. You want to keep it really neutral and and just try to avoid language that's going to trigger an already difficult situation. So some more tips for how to make the conversation go as um, smoothly as possible. Don't go into the conversation with a binary outcome in mind, like it's my way or no way, right? Um, you're basically giving yourself nowhere to go if you do that. Think about what what do you think the problem is here? What is it that you want to communicate? But then before you start the conversation, what is it that the other person might think is a problem? What are they going to think about it? Um, if you don't know what their viewpoint is, you don't need to guess and pretend or plan or just assume that they're you know what you think they might say is right be open-minded and ask 
express an interest in understanding how they feel. If you've just had to give someone, um, you know, some difficult feedback about their performance, you're not just going to go and have that conversation and go, yeah, right, okay, so we're done now. John, I've given you this feedback. Yeah, thanks for coming. See you later. No, you need to build in time in your conversation to acknowledge the other person's perspective. What do you think about that? How are you feeling about it? Express an interest in that and and actively listen to the response. You need to show that you have compassion for the, the fact that there may be elements of pain and strain um, in in these conversations. Um, it's really helpful if you can come at these conversations from a place of empathy. Empathy, not sympathy. Um, people have different abilities to feel and display empathy. Um, I think it was Brene Brown who did a really good TED talk on the difference between sympathy and empathy. I'll try and find it and link it in the show notes. I, I think it was Brene Brown. I'll find it and link it and then I, I may be wrong about who it was. Um, but Brene Brown said sympathy is essentially saying to somebody, imagine someone's, okay, let's, let's take a scenario. Imagine someone's fallen down a hole. You're on the ground level. You're not down the hole. You're at the top. Um, you look down the hole and you go, wow, looks bad down there. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're down there. It looks really bad from where I'm standing. Um, the difference is with empathy is you don't stand up there on the top of the hole. You go down into the hole with that person and talk to them about how bad it is down there I can see and I can feel that it's actually really dark and horrible down here it's really hard um empathy requires you to put yourself in the other person's position and think about really how it would feel to be there um there are people who just can't do that um most people can do it to an extent and sympathy versus empathy you know if you're sympathetic and you, you're effectively saying to someone well you know I can I can understand that you are finding this pretty hard it is hard isn't it look I can see that you're in a pretty bad place that's sympathy empathy is more like saying I know when I've received this type of feedback in the past it's really knocked me for six um I've been there trust me, it will get better, we need to work on this together, I'm here with you, I'm going to help you, that's empathy, it's, it's a very different um, emotion, it's a very different response, so um, it's, there's nothing worse than sympathy, it tends to come across as really um, just, a, just a bit fake and a bit detached, so it, it's really important going into this conversation that you think about how you can um, show an empathic response. Um, be compassionate um, do not make this about you if uh, it's, it's very very diff easy to do actually it's very very easy to do um, if you're really not looking forward to having a conversation say you've got to give someone some really negative feedback or you've got to put someone on consultation or oh, something really hard um, it's really easy to want to say something like 
oh, I feel so bad for having to do this. Um, I This is so hard for me to do. Trust me, this isn't easy. Oh, I know you're finding this hard, but trust me, it's even harder for me telling you. No, 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 no. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> There's a time and a place for that conversation, right? Go to the... Go for a coffee with your friend, um, go somewhere else and have a, if it's appropriate, have a conversation with a loved one or someone you trust, if it's if it's possible and appropriate to do so, and, and offload your feelings of guilt about the situation to a third party. Um, do not offload your feelings of guilt to the person who's affected. It's really not fair and it, it basically you're giving compassion and empathy in one hand and taking it away with the other it just leaves you looking cold and uncaring and you're just centering yourself um don't do it um and lastly i say in the conversation just slow down listen slow the pace of the conversation you see like the level of tone that I'm talking in now I'm keeping my voice really neutral I slow down I usually take breaths sometimes when I get carried away with myself you'll hear my voice speeding up but generally you want to be slow and neutral and calm because it really gives you a chance to um, find the right words and also to diffuse diffuse negative emotion so if you were coming at me right now with um, a really agitated aggressive voice and I kept my voice like this, really neutral, deliberate in what I want to say, but with a tone of compassion and empathy. I'm just going to listen to what you're saying. I am more likely to be able to address the right issues and um, be able to drive the conversation to a more positive place. The conversation will end up being better than it would be if you met that negative, angry emotion with more defensive, negative, angry emotion. Um, be joined up be slow down, be listening, make sure your brain is engaged and really listening to what the other person has to say. If you can, um, think about, is there anything that you can give to make this blow softer? If you're embarking on a conversation that's potentially going to put the other person in a difficult position or it's going to take something away from them, is there any way that you can compensate with something? It has to be authentic, but is there anything that you can do? Um, be constructive, give them some options, help people see a way out. Go back to that core model, options. If they feel closed off, if they feel they have nowhere to go, you're going to get a much more defensive reaction, which is either going to be angry and shouty and negative, or it's going to be just shut down. Can you help the person to see there's a way out? And it also shows that you have respect for them because you are giving them um, some of your time you're showing that you've thought about it and you want to help um, I think in terms of it within the conversation itself those are the main things that you can think of if you can do all of those things um, from thinking about the core model uh, acknowledging the other person, being compassionate, showing empathy, active listening, pausing, thinking, being joined up in your body language and your words. Um, your conversation will be a lot better 
than it would have been if you um, if you hadn't employed those techniques or had just gone into it kind of on the fly. But however it goes, do put some time in your diary, especially if you're at work and you're going to be having this difficult conversation with somebody. Give yourself a 15-minute buffer after the conversation to just reflect and learn. Think about what's happened. Um, what went well? What went not so well? Is there anything that you could have done differently? Is there anything that you could have said differently? Because trust me, if you just acknowledge these things, the next time you go into a difficult conversation, your brain will already be prepared to improve on those things. But it will also give you the opportunity to um, reflect on if there's any follow-up that you need to make. Is there anything that you felt didn't quite come across correctly? Do you need to go back and re-clarify that with that person just to really make sure that you've got the best outcome of the conversation for both of you? Um, Take that five minutes, 10 minutes or 15 minutes, jot down a few notes and really think about how it went um, because it will pay dividends in the future. So quick little recap, things to remember Before you go into your conversation, be calm and centred. Think about mindfulness, think about breathing. When you go into the conversation, slow it down, write down, actively listen. Don't be in a hurry to say what you have to say. Be present, be with the other person. Um, It shows respect, it shows that you're actively engaged. Find ways to be constructive. Come at it from a partnership perspective. You want to try and suggest other solutions or alternatives. Um, things not to do don't prejudge it as a difficult conversation Um, mindset 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 try to frame that conversation um, in a positive light or at least a neutral light before you go into it it's just another conversation don't write a script do some notes if you need to particularly if you've got some things that you have to cover in the conversation just Write those down and make sure that you deliver those words if you need to deliver things in a certain way, but don't script it to the nth degree. Um, remember, that will that will prevent you from listening. So you really want to be able to listen, um, be open and flexible. Um, and lastly, don't ignore the other person's point of view. Talk to the person about how they feel, having been given this feedback or been on the receiving end of this, this conversation. Um, and look for ways in which you can find commonality in your points of view look for some common ground look for ways to take things forward um, and and you'll fly you'll fly through these conversations and you'll get more and more confidence about having them in the future okay I hope that was really helpful Um, if you have any questions on how to manage those types of difficult conversations just drop me an email caroline at thrivership.coach or find me on social media. My Instagram is probably the easiest way. DM me at Thrivership Coach. Um, so, as promised at the top of the show, I wanted to go on to talk very specifically about a particular type of challenging conversation. And I want to talk about this in the spirit of the fact that I believe it's really important to challenge um, biases and inappropriate or offensive comments in the workplace. Um, or outside the workplace in life generally and I think with the Black Lives Matter movement with lots of lots of movements and lots of things that have happened throughout 2020 I think it's more and more prevalent now that people 
feel they want to be equipped to have these conversations and actually that they're not going to let things just slide. Um, So I thought it would be helpful to talk about this today and would potentially give some of my listeners, some of you, um, the courage and some skills around around challenging difficult and offensive behaviours that you might experience in your workplace or in your life. Um, and before I do that, I wanted to share this really interesting definition that I came across this week in um, MIT Sloan Management Review. Um, it talks about intentional and unintentional discrimination. It talks about discrimination that can be intentional, um, where it results in different treatment of different groups of people because of the discrimination, or it can be unintentional, which results in a disparate impact between different groups of people. Um, You might say that intentional uh, discrimination is more obvious because you might be overtly treating people differently based on race, gender, ethnicity, uh, ability, uh, sexuality, whatever it may be. Um, whereas the unintentional, while that, that word unintentional seems to remove responsibility, um, and I, I have a bit of an issue with that, I think the point is well made in that it's not as easy to identify up front but it ends up having a different impact on people down the line. And that impact um, causes further issue for people based on their race, gender, sexuality, ethnicity, ability, etc. Um, and for instance, companies put um, hurdles in the hiring places, either looking for qualities or qualifications that aren't really needed, which then skews the hiring in favour of some groups over others. Um, That would be an example of intentional discrimination. Unintentional discrimination can occur in things like interpersonal interactions, where, uh, where you might, for example, just not invite people who aren't automatically part of the same group as you. Um... Uh, so you extend invitations to people who you feel comfortable with, who are like you, and you just don't automatically don't invite other people to events or networking opportunities or um, meetings where important decisions are going to be made. Um, or you may overlook and discredit contributions of employees who aren't from the same group as you. Um that unintentional, as it's labelled by MIT Sloan, discrimination is more subtle, but its consequences are just as severe and in many ways even more important to challenge because those are the types of discrimination which are so pervasive and those are the types of discrimination that we have historically a lot of us failed to call out because you look at it in an isolated incident or you just kind of let that slide that one time or whatever so if you're feeling like you don't want to let these types of things slide and you want to start calling it out I admire you I applaud you um if it's your intention to demonstrate allyship to people who may be in a different group to you who are experiencing discrimination that is a very um 
positive aspiration. Note that you cannot give yourself the title of ally. Your allyship comes as a result of your behaviours. It's not your title to take. Um, But yeah, I wanted to give um, you all some tips for how to handle these types of conversations. So in my particular case, what happened last week was somebody who is someone who I deal with professionally on a very regular basis. So usually once or twice a week, uh, sometimes more often made and I would call it if you want to use the MIT Sloan definitions an unintentionally discriminative remark they made a joke which they clearly thought was funny which I thought and which was racist Um, so I think the first thing to notice here is that even if you are not directly affected by the remark that somebody's made whether it's racist sexist ableist um it is okay for you to have an emotional response it's okay for you to feel affronted it's okay for you to feel offended um if you are directly affected by the person's comment then effectively that person has violated your identity and that Um, is a denial of your humanity and it's totally normal for you to feel really upset and really angry and um, you need to process those emotions before you um, go to challenge this comment. I think it's really important that we talk about this because we don't live in a vacuum and there are going to be consequences of speaking up And the fact is you have to weigh up the consequences of talking about this, talking about the issue that you have observed. Um, There are really good reasons to speak up. Um, You need to be able to sleep at night. You want to feel like you have integrity. You might take it upon yourself to feel like you want to um, represent... Um, you know, the best possible moral and personal standards so you don't feel like you can just let this thing slide. You, By letting it slide, you might be essentially signalling that either you're complicit with the statement that the person's made or you're effectively giving them permission to do it again. Um, And this is an opportunity to potentially challenge their behaviour and get a better outcome. Um... I personally do believe that if you try to address offensive behaviour, it can change um, and reduce it in the future. Um, And I think you have to also think about this if you're a manager or a leader or you're responsible for other people or you're a role model for other people. And most of us are in one way or another. We don't, again, we don't live in vacuums. We are responsible for role modelling the right behaviours. managers and leaders have this role model responsibility but in some cases also a legal responsibility to make sure that no one in their team or their environment is feeling threatened or discriminated against at work um the fact is you have even more influence if you're not the subject of the bias so you really need to consider your responsibility for using your position of power um in the best way that you can um 
but it would be really foolish of me not to talk about the potential costs um, and it would be foolish of you not to think about the potential costs. Um, you have to consider who you're dealing with, what their reaction might be, what the costs will be to you potentially if you call that individual out. They might be dismissive. Uh, they might accuse you of overreacting. They might accuse you of not taking their joke seriously. They might get defensive. They might um, ask if you're accusing them of something. So do think about uh, how does this person normally react to being challenged? Are they generally quite self-aware? Are they generally well-intentioned? Or are they known for being difficult? Are they known for being quite narrow-minded? Um you do need to think about the person's authority over you and whether they're going to penalise you for speaking up. Um, is your job security at risk? Is your personal safety at risk? Um, think about it. This is particularly true if you're female or a person of colour, even more so if you're a person of colour. Um, research shows, evidentially, that both women and people of colour get a lot more pushback when they're assertive they get labeled as aggressive unreasonable hysterical um, angry violent um, it's not to say that you shouldn't speak up this is absolutely not what I'm saying I'm just saying be conscious of the likely reaction when you do speak up and mitigate around it I hate to even say this because effectively it's giving you even more work to do just to get your point across and just to challenge this discrimination gives you even more um more work um to do just to confront this but it's necessary because your own personal protection is important it's the most important thing so we have to consider these things and it would be foolish not to go into the conversation having having not thought about um the likely outcome if you decide to challenge, just be careful of the wording that you use. So again, we really need to take time to kind of step back and breathe and think about how we're going to um, level our our um, our comment at the individual. You want to stay away from accusations. You want to stay away from comments like "that's racist," "that's sexist." Um, it might feel really good to call someone out if they've made a clearly offensive remark. It might feel very instinctive and right to go, hang on, that's racist. I'm angry. What do you think you're doing? Um, but you're immediately going to push that person into defence mode. Again, go back to core. They're going to feel totally backed into a corner. Their options, their oh, their options are completely eliminated. You might have just embarrassed them. So their reputation, their are in core, is on the line. Um, and when someone feels defensive, they're actually less likely to hear you and less likely to change their minds. It's just you're going to get into a he, he said, she said type scenario um you might find yourself being dismissed um your comment being dismissed you know it's just a joke you're overreacting you're hysterical etc blah 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 um so what to do instead and this is this is what i did in um in in my instance this past week from a place of neutrality as much as you can and calm explain your reaction explain how you're feeling in response to their comment so 
If you genuinely believe that the comment was not badly intentioned, um, that the person wasn't trying to be offensive deliberately, you could say something like, I know it wasn't your intention, but that made me uncomfortable. Or I know it wasn't your intention, but that comment was offensive to me. Or I'm a bit confused by what you said. Can we just clarify? Um, You know, this isn't... Although you may feel that this is not challenging it head on, it's actually from going back to the core model, going back to the core model perspective, um, you're using less inflammatory language and what you're saying is much more likely to get past that first barrier and more likely to get into a decent dialogue with a person about it. So your starting point is giving them an opportunity to understand how that comment made you feel. And immediately after you've made that statement of, you know, I know it wasn't your intention, but you made me uncomfortable. I know it wasn't your intention, but I found that statement offensive. You follow that initial statement with a question like, what did you mean by that? What information are you basing that on? Um, Tell me more about why you think that. You're engaging that person in a discussion. It's a neutral discussion. There's no... Um, no need for defensiveness at this point. If they act defensive and you've remained calm and totally neutral, they're showing themselves up. Um, your your ability to ask a question or even simply ask them to repeat what they said should prompt them to really think what they meant by the remark. Um what happened in my case? I the, the remark that the individual had made was by email in my case. Um, good in the sense that it's on record, bad in the sense that it's a communication method that's not in person and easy to misinterpret sometimes, you might say. Um, my response to the individual concerned was exactly what I've described to you um I don't think it was your intention but I found that statement offensive I'm not sure what you meant please can you clarify was basically what I replied um and I got um it took over a day for the person to respond and given that it was a um quite a quick email that they'd sent just off the cuff in the first place I think you can tell from that amount of time that it took for them to respond again that they'd realise that there was an issue. Um, Now, I don't feel that in their later response, they took full responsibility. Um, But essentially, I know that what I've done by flagging that up is A, put it on record that this was an offensive comment. It's on email, there's evidence. Um, Secondly, I've made it clear that I won't be a party to those conversations. Um, And if I witness any future conversations like that, I will take action. Um, So we'll see. We'll see what happens in the future. Um, If you are up to it, Um, 
and it depends how how the person responds in your particular situation um as an optional further step you can um offer more information i really want to be clear that it's not your job to do this especially if you are the recipient of the discrimination so if you're a person of color and you've re- you've been um on the receiving end of a racist remark it's absolutely not your job to educate that offensive the, the person making that offensive remark um as to how those comments are offensive and why they're offensive and you know what to do instead it's absolutely not your work it's their work but if you want to, and only if you want to, and only if you feel mentally and emotionally equipped enough and strong enough, you can point the individual to some resources that you think might help them. It's obviously up to them then if they take that up or not. I would really caveat this point by saying if you, if that individual then doesn't take those steps or doesn't um, imbibe themselves with the information that you have um offered them it could leave you feeling even worse and you've gone to that extra emotional and physical effort of trying to show them the light so take that step carefully and only if you feel up to it um but there are other things you can do so what i've explained to you here is a kind of very middle ground neutral approach um you have other options, you know, you, you might not feel safe enough to address the comment directly, um, in which case you can abruptly change the subject um, and demonstrate in that way that you disapprove of the remark. But the difficulty with that is that you have to rely on the other person's emotional intelligence that they're going to pick up that cue. Um, you also might want to wait and see what happens. So if it's a one-off remark, I personally wouldn't let it slide. I would do something like that, what I've explained to you today, but you might want to let the first one slide. I don't think any instances are okay, but don't beat yourself up if you don't feel okay to do it. Um, sometimes the person will realise their mistake and apologise. Um, the other scale, the other end of the scale on this in the spectrum is you might just call it out directly. You might literally think I don't care about the person's sensitivity I don't care about their ability to change I don't care um you just I just need to call it out and calling it out should be done from a place again of neutrality try to keep your anger out of it but be very factual and it's okay to say something along the lines of that comment was offensive to women that comment was offensive to black people that comment was offensive to anyone who doesn't identify as straight um that's fine to do just weigh up the cost of doing it and you have got another piece of information about who this person is and you can use that to protect yourself um in the future if you find yourself in a position of authority and someone has come to you with uh, an accusation of discrimination you have to take offensive comments seriously you should never play them down as just a joke never play them down as something that just needs to be overlooked um the ultimate responsibility for fixing problems of discrimination at work lies with you as a leader the unfortunate thing in my situation was that the person in question is the most senior person in their organization 
So um, I think we have to tackle these things one one item at a time, one conversation at a time in um, the best way we can in each individual situation. Know that you cannot fix everything. You cannot fix systematic problems yourself overnight, but a groundswell of people taking the right action, taking affirmative, positive action that doesn't stand for this type of behaviour will uh, make a difference over time. So a few things to remember on this. Make sure you think carefully when you want to speak up, weigh the costs and benefits. If you're in a position of power, you must address offensive comments. You must create an inclusive environment. Um, Make sure that when you do address the comment, you are asking questions that encourage the person to reflect on what they've said. Try to clear up any misunderstanding so you can't just be dismissed as, oh, it was just a joke. Don't ever forget to think through the possible consequences, especially if you're the target of the comment. Think about how your um, your reaction is going to be portrayed and make sure you portray yourself in the best possible light um, thereafter. Um, don't just assume the person knows they're being offensive. They might be really ridiculously clueless. Um, they may not be intending to cause offence. That doesn't excuse their behaviour. Um, and don't accuse someone. Um, try to remember the core model. Try to use neutral language. That way you're more likely to get your point heard. I hope this episode has been helpful. I hope it's been interesting. Um, I hope it's been empowering. Um, and that this will enable you to have lots of different types of difficult conversations um, as you go forward. Let me know. Let me know if you've got to have any of these conversations. Let me know what happened. I'm here to answer any questions. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Um, follow me on LinkedIn. Follow me on Instagram. Send me a message. I would love to know how you're getting on. And as ever, there are loads of free resources on the website, www.thrivership.coach. Um, that's it for today. Uh, thank you so much. And I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.